This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. This is Are You Serious Sports. We hope that you guys are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. Huge show tonight, as always. When do we not have a big show? A very fan-field-centric type of show. That's every night. But we do got a lot to get into. Something and. You, a lot of people let me know in the DMs and on YouTube. One guy cursed me out on YouTube last night, uh, say, got mad because I didn't get to LSU has all the pieces to win a national title. We will get that uh, to that tonight. But, we, you know, look, when you have a former NFL player, a f- former first-round pick on your show, you're going to talk to him. Thought it was great. But we are going to talk some LSU tonight. Blaine Gilmer is going to be joining us. Around 720, guy that is a part of our Believe Podcast Network, uh, covers a lot of recruiting, works for rivals. He will be joining us. We will talk a lot of LSU recruiting. And then we'll go around the SEC as Branson Robinson, uh, the big running back from Georgia, commits to Georgia today. I'm going to ask him a lot of questions. Does he think LSU is going to get into the top five? Are they going to get into the top three in this recruiting class? Who are some guys that they think that LSU is going to add? Yeah, here, even from a national level, even though Louisiana is really stacked from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, we didn't really get to a lot of at hashtag Ask Blake. We do it on Thursdays. Um, so put in your comments, questions, and or concerns. Hashtag Ask Blake will get into it. Also, not the Joe Brady offense. 
You know, I, 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 as I continue to study this and I continue to look at Jake Peets, um, yeah, I know that Ed Orgeron wants to run the Jake Pete or the the uh, Joe Brady offense. Yeah, will there be some incorporated into it? Absolutely, but I think Jake's going to bring a little bit uh, of his own from the other stop. So we'll talk about that a little bit too. And did Texas A and M leak the story about? Uh, Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. I know a lot of people were pissed off at me last night in reference to uh, talking about it for so long. But, guys, this this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. When your conference is realigned, when you have two really, really historic programs about to join your conference, and not only in your conference, most likely your division, it's a big deal. And we're going to talk about it. So, We'll touch on that, Blake. Oh, touch on that, Blake. I saw this from Craig Schilling. We'll touch on that uh, in just a minute. Uh, and, and I'm hearing some things about Texas A&M, uh, you know, pretty much leaking the story uh, through the Houston Chronicle uh, on the day that Jimbo uh, was announced or was at SEC Media Days. But before we get started, guys, let's get to a couple of these comments before we pay some bills. Brian Penton says, good evening, Blake, from Pastor Washington, picking up a load of apples. I hear you, my friend. Kirk Paul says, evening, boys. Blaine Smith says, Mike Jones, who Mike Jones? Craig Schilling says, and we are live. He also says, uh, I missed his comment. He says, come on, Blake, in quotes. Talk about what I want to talk about. Pretty much that's what the cursing out um cursing out was last night right like I why they were cursing me out uh you know I guess we're getting to the big time when we get cursed out from people who when you don't talk everything LSU 24-7 so you know you can't talk about you know two powerhouses and I shouldn't say powerhouses but two prestigious programs in Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC and possibly your program you know you can't talk about that at all so guys do me a favor before we get started as well hit the like button hit the share if you're on YouTube Pound the, pound the like button. Keep liking it. Share. Subscribe. If you're on Facebook, also hit that like button. Share it to some Facebook groups. Share it to your stories. Do that constantly. We'll greatly appreciate it. And if you're on Periscope, just hit that retweet. We would definitely, definitely like for you to do that. All right, let's pay some bills around here, and we'll talk about why I believe LSU has all the pieces to win a national title. Uh, and then uh, or we'll pay some bills, then talk about why LSU is going to win or could win the national title about having all the pieces. But none better than our good friends over at GM Varndon Sons and BetOnline.ag. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motorhome chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. Give them a call today at 225-664-9992. That's 225-664-9992. And tell them your good friend, Mr. Blake Rafino. Over at AYS, since you on by, you just got to go over to 2500 Florida Boulevard in Denham Springs, Louisiana. Break down the side road. They will come and pick you up. Nothing is too big or too small over at GM. And our good friends over at betonline.ag. Guys, we've been telling you about this. You're sitting on your couch. You're watching some Major League Baseball. You're sitting on your couch getting ready for the football season. Want to play some bets. Who's going to be the NFL MVP? Who's going to win the national title? Who's going to win the SEC? Anything and everything, Bet Online has you covered. Want to do any of those? They have you covered. Go on your mobile device, sign up, and when you make your first deposit, 50% off because you listen to Are You Serious Sports. BetOnline.ag is the best Moving forward in mobile betting, that's betonline.ag, betonline.
AG. All right, let's get this thing rolling. Um, Ryan says, like, shared on Facebook and YouTube. I appreciate that. Yeah, we got to, guys, you got to keep sharing it for a brother. You got to share this puppy. We got people on vacation. You know, we got to share this thing. We got to get it out there. I'm about to talk about why I think LSU has a piece to win a national title. We got to share that thing. Remington Pierce says, Texas can't handle horns down. They aren't ready. Well, you know, the truth is, is if, if Texas can't, the funny thing is, especially in the, in the SEC, if you can't handle the horns down gesture, you sure as hell aren't going to be able to deal with what you would get in Death Valley on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock every single year, right? Like, when you come into Death Valley, we remember – um, after LSU beat Florida in 2019 and fans are walking out doing the Gator Trump says, it sucks to be a Florida Gator. It sucks. I mean, if you're going to be that sensitive over people saying that, I don't know what to tell you, Hoss. Like, I, I, I do not know what to tell you. But something interesting, Brett McMurphy reported today that text that – uh. The big, the big 12 had their ADs and university presidents meeting. Oklahoma and Texas were the two that did not show up. So that should start telling you that they that they want to leave. Let's get to this very quickly before I get to all the comments. Um, I see that Mario says he's long way from CA. Um, let, let's talk about this because as I continue, and I'm almost wrapped up about every depth chart, like, so let me tell you how I do things when I when I look at recruit, not just recruiting and and how I watch film, but how I break down games. I usually watch the entire game and mainly focus on one position. You know, like yeah, you can get a good idea about you know if you're watching quarterback with the receivers, no line are doing because it's a main factor. But like really focus in on individual players multiple times when I'm watching the game, guys. I've watched a Florida film, for example. I think I've watched that like seven or eight times. Uh, Mississippi State, I think I've watched like six or seven times. So now that I'm almost done with my preparation and guys coming back from LSU, there's one constant theme that I continue to think in my head every time I'm watching it. Guys, I mean, you guys know. I mean, I sit here like literally right here. You can't see it, but I got my notes like right here every time I'm writing it down. There's a lot of concerns from people and individuals about LSU and this O-line. I'm going to sit here and tell you I understand Dare Rosenthal's going to Kentucky, which in my honest opinion, talking outside of LSU, that makes Kentucky's O-line the best in the SEC. That's my opinion. Guys, I've played it for a long time. I've done it. You know, if it's your first time watching us or talking to us, you know, even at the collegiate level, Kentucky's O-line is going to be pretty damn good. Said it on the Bill King show a couple of weeks ago, especially with the addition of Dare Rosenthal, but he's going to have to stay on the field. Re- regardless of Dare Rosenthal leaving, guys, he was out for games last year. Cam Wire was in and did a really damn good job, and I think be is going to be the guy that's going to start left tackle. For whatever reason, I don't have that many concerns about this offensive line, nor do I have concerns about Cam Wire at left tackle or whoever will be. Now, if it's outside of Cam Wire, we haven't seen, we haven't watched film, we don't know how those guys will react, yeah, I might start looking at some things. But with my with, with Max Johnson be having the ability to run, sometimes those things can go by the I don't want to say by the wayside, but I, I I'm just not going to be as nervous. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this because everybody's concerns about the O line and we talk about it in a religious factor, in a religious basis. 
Guys, you do realize in majority of games last season, LSU had a running back that had carries of an average of over five yards per carry. So that is a pinnacle. That's where you want to see. You want to see guys five, six, seven yards per carry. LSU had running backs last year that were doing that in almost every single game. Auburn being the one of the ones that I remember that they did not have that. Alabama, they had a Missouri. Ty Davis Price had over five yards per carry. So, so many people are sailing, telling me, and I, I sit here and I watch this film, and I ask myself, well, damn, Ty Davis Price, after a couple of runs, breaks off a big one, and he's over five yards per carry. So, when we go back and watch the games, when we go back and watch it multiple times, I'm telling you, this offensive line, not great, but did some really good things last year. Now, they do have the talent, and it always starts up front. The wide receiver, and depth could be an issue there, and that's one concern. If there is going to be a concern about the offensive line, I do sometimes worry a little bit about the depth. But the positions, I don't worry about depth offensively. Running back, wide receiver, not kind of really tight end right now if they're going to put Jack Besh in that flexed out wide receiver tight end position. And if they're going to block, I think Nick Stores can do a good job if Cole Taylor can't do it. Also at running back, you have TDP, you have John Emery, you have the two Amari Goodwin, Corey Connor that are coming in. Really good backs that can give you really good production. So, I, with all of that being said, the one thing that we haven't talked about, but we've talked about at nauseum, is the quarterback position. Guys, I think that you have two quarterbacks that can lead you to a lot of wins. Now, a national title is something completely different. The only way, in my opinion, that LSU can get to a national title is with Max Johnson, not Miles Brennan. You have to be able to make plays with your feet. You have to be able to be mobile and move. Miles does not give you that. But LSU has the talent offensively. Yeah, we I, we all remember what happened in 2019. Yeah, Joe looks good. There's a new offense. The offensive line's back. But, you know, receiver, yeah, yeah, we got some talent there. But, it, you know, what do we really have? And is Clyde Edwards-Alaire really going to be the every down uh, running back? Guys, I am telling you that this team on all three levels, and if you want to call the quarterback being a level, on all four levels – of this offense, they have supreme talent. This is what you do in recruiting. When you get supreme talent, now they got to go out there and put it on the field. And I think a pissed-off LSU offensively with Jake Peets, who we'll talk about a little bit later, who I think is going to incorporate things from Lane Kiffin. He's going to incorporate things from Steve Sarkeesian and Joe Brady. We saw all three offenses that he's been under accumulated into one in a very simplified spring game. And they did really, really well. Now, defensively, there are a lot more questions in my mind than there are offensively. You do have a, a, a new, two new linebackers who I think is going to start in Bug Strong and Mike Jones. Who? Mike Jones. But you do have two linebackers that have a lot of starts that are coming back as well. You have DeMond Clark, number 18. You have Micah Baskerville if he's able to get back out there. You have that right there. You have the depth, the defensive line that will be the structure, that will be the best part of this team. You know the depth there. The One interesting thing about LSU last year, that we, when we talk about defensively, that all oh, this is the worst defense that LSU ever had, and statistically you're right. But you know what's crazy is in the nation, LSU was tied for eighth with 24 total sacks in those 10 games. 24. 
So when we sit back and say, well, the defensive line didn't do so great, yeah, they didn't do great in the running game, but in the passing game, they got after it, and they got after it pretty viciously. They're going to be able to do that again. You've got guys like Jaqueline Roy, who's just a freak of nature monster, Mason Smith, Ali Gay, Andre Anthony, B.J. Ojolari, Neil Farrell, Glenn Logan comes back. Guys, you can rotate these guys in and out, and you're not going to have an issue. Tank Guillory comes back. So this is something that it's going to be your your crutch. It's going to be the best part of your team is that defensive line. Now can you get after a quarterback? That is going to be the biggest question. But I think that as everybody sits here and asks me, what do I think is going to be the most improved? And it's not even close from LSU. And why I think, guys, I'm going to make a statement and it's going to blow you away. You're going to DM me. You're going to say, Blake, you're an idiot. Blake, you know, shut up. And I get this. The best defensive backroom that I've ever seen in my lifetime, in my lifetime, was that 2011 LSU team when they had Brandon Taylor, when they had Tyron Matthew, they had Eric Reed, they had Darrell Simon. Guys, all of those dudes, look what they did individually. This team on the back end defensively is going to be absolutely vicious. You have Derek Stingley, Elias Ricks, Jay Ward, for crying out loud, a kid from Georgia who I'm just so damn high on that all of you know, all of you know, Major Burns comes into the mix. Guys, I'm telling you right now, and mark my words, this DB room is going to be vicious. This defense is going to be a lot better. This defense is going to be tenacious. So when we look at it from an individual level on all three levels defensively, we look at it from an offensive perspective. you got two quarterbacks that can win you games. You have an entire offensive line besides Dale Rosenthal that is coming back. You had the wide receivers and Kayshawn Boutique. And, and what's crazy to me from a national level and watching SEC Media Days, it's so crazy that they forgot that Kayshawn Boutique is a record holder for yards in a game in the SEC's history. I mean, Max Johnson during Ole Miss, basically he said, hey, number, I'm going to throw it out there. Number one's going to come down with it. Can a, number, can a number two find his way in there? I think that you're going to see some freshmen come in here and do some things, and I think Dre Jenkins is going to have a blowout year. Last thing, and then we're going to get to our good friend, Mr. Blaine Gilmer. I think that this schedule lines out really, really well for LSU down the stretch. If they can go out to the Rose Bowl, if they can go out to Los Angeles, if they can go out and beat, and not just beat, UCLA. I'm talking about like the rock. Layeth the smacketh down on that candy ass. Then when we start the SEC uh, 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 season, when you go to Mississippi State, a team that embarrassed you last, let's call it what it is, embarrassed you last year. If they can go to Starkville and layeth the smacketh down on that candy ass, you better watch out. All things, and this is my last point before we get to blame. No national love for LSU. So does recruiting really matter? Is the talent there? Ed Orsron's washed up. He's not that good. He was never really a good coach. I mean, it'll just act like 2019 never happened. I'm telling you, mark my words, LSU's going to find themselves back in this race, and I think it's, it's going to be closer than some of the experts think. They got talent everywhere. Coaching was a big problem last year. Not just defensively. Love Steve Ensminger to death, but offensively, play calling, call it what it is, was extremely suspect. Now that you got the Young Bucks, DJ Mangus is back in the in the fold. Can they make this term? I think that they can. All right, let's do this. I'm going to get to all your comments, but we've got to bring 
Blaine Smith. I'm Blaine Smith. Blaine Gilmer. See, Blaine Smith's in the comments. See, I'm Blaine might lay this smack it down on my candy ass. See, I see this comment here, you know, like man's gonna kill me. All right, let's do this. Let's get to a very quick break. Let's talk about GM, uh, GMFS Mortgage and my good friend John Patton, and then we'll bring Blaine in here. Guys, I'm telling you, you want to save three, four, five hundred dollars? Who? Give me a thumbs up in the damn chats if you don't want to save money. Or if you do want to save money. Give me a thumbs up if you do want to save money. Put it in them chats. If you do and you own a home, you better go over to GMFS and my good friend, Mr. John Patton. Here he is. Buying a home, saving money on the mortgage that you have now, or even doing that cash out refi, the timing has never been better. Get in touch with my good friend John Patton from GMFS Mortgage today. Purchase, refinance, build, renovate. There's absolutely nothing that John Patton can't do for you today. 225-614-1234. That's 225-614-1234. Tell him your good friend, Mr. Blake Rafino at AYS. Sit you on by. And if you're on your way to talk to Mr. John Patton and you're getting a little bit of trouble, you better go over to Drake Williams Law Firm. You get that DWI. You get the spinning ticket. You ain't got your inspection sticker. You better call the Drake Williams Law Firm. That's drakewilliamslawfirm.com. 985-386-7600. 985-386-7600. Tell them your good friend, Blake Rafino at AYS. Sent you on by. All right, we're here with my good friend, Mr. Blaine Gilmer. I called you Blaine Smith. Don't lay it to smack it down on my candy ass. We got Blaine Smith in the comments. We got Blaine right here with us. But hey. Blaine, how are you doing tonight, my friend? I'm blessed, man. Fantastic. I appreciate you having me on, Blake. I got I got to go here first, okay? I know you're a Georgia guy. I know you're in the Georgia area, but I got to tell you this as we I see the thumbs up here. You know, look, Blaine, you, people want to save money, right? I mean, come on. But Georgia got a big running back commit today. Now, normally we talk about LSU, but when I saw this Branson kid and I saw oh, the yeah. kid's legs and I saw the kid's arms, I mean, no way that kid's 18, right? Like, that kid's got to be 46. Like, he's Herschel Walker at 17 years old. Talk about that, and talk about, was Georgia really leaning, or I think Alabama looked like they, they wanted him, and they thought they were going to get him. But talk about him and his commitment today. I mean, with Branson Robinson, he's a player that Georgia has felt really, really good about for a long time, and when it comes down to it, it seems like that Branson Robinson had made up his mind actually a long way ago in this process, but he ended up go, kind of going through the motions. Alabama did get a little bit of a run there with an official visit for him. He also went up to uh, Tennessee for an official visit. But at the end of the day, I think everybody is one of the worst kept secrets you know, out there that Branson Robinson was going to be a Georgia Bulldog. And you're absolutely right. Uh, there's so many comparisons out there between Branson Robinson and Nick Chubb. I mean, they, he is almost a Nick Chubb clone in how physical he is, how strong he is, the running style. So Georgia definitely got a a good one, the rival's number one ranked running back in the class of 2022. Blaine, that's interesting because, look, uh, Georgia has not been shy of getting good running backs. It's going to be interesting to see how they do in this new offense. It's going to be interesting to see it, how they incorporate the running backs that they have now, but I think it's good that they got him. All right, so we brought you on. I'm not going to bore our fans about some some recruiting, you know, like Alabama, but I want to talk to you from an LSU perspective, right? We'll get to some other things, but look, LSU has, has, has shown 
that Louisiana and Louisiana just has a lot of good athletic guys and a lot of freaks in this class. Blaine, talk about this. Do you think because it's easy for us in Louisiana to say, "Oh, they're the best class in the country," but when you look at this roster, when you look at this recruiting, Blaine, is that one of the top three classes in twenty twenty two? Can you see them and Ed Orgeron landing a top three class at the end of the year? I can see them being top three all the way maybe towards the end, and it's just going to depend on a couple of key battles towards signing day. But between now and December, that early signing day, I, I fully expect LSU to be right up there, two, three, four in the country. But there's teams out there that are heavy loading their classes early. They're going to skew this like Penn State, for example, who just picked up denied Dennis Sutton over Georgia and over uh, Alabama today. They, they won out. James Franklin's doing a tremendous job. Penn State, I think, is number two in the country now. Right. you got Ohio State that's recruiting really well. So, But LSU is going to be right there. It's just a, some key battles, and I'm sure we'll get into those. So let's let's go right there. Let's talk about some of the key battles. Look, Sean Murphy is a guy that's training LSU. There's a couple of guys that either going to go to that Florida, Alabama, LSU. Let's start with Sean Murphy. What are you hearing about him? What do you think about him? Is Alabama is it going to be Alabama, LSU, or Florida trending right now? In your opinion, well, LSU probably a couple. If this was two weeks ago, I would say LSU would be the place that Sean Murphy ended up because I think that you know after his visit there, he was gaining a lot of future cast forecast all this kind of stuff to LSU actually there was a lot of lot of hype around him he had had a great time there in Baton Rouge but Sean Murphy is a young man who is very cerebral very intellectual type at the linebacker position and I think some of that talk maybe with Nick Saban is is intriguing him <laughs> a little bit there you know just the because when Saban talks about football with these kids they get like mesmerized is 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 but it, then you go with Ed Orgeron and I don't know if you've heard of, of Christian Miller a defensive tackle oh, yeah. out of Georgia Christian Miller does one of the best Ed Orgeron's impressions out there so you need to just have him on your show just for that <laughs> whether he goes to LSU or not one day but uh you know in terms of Sean Murphy I think LSU is right there neck and neck with Alabama for that linebacker that's somebody who Georgia would have loved to have in this class because he is a prototypical inside linebacker type in this class. But Sean Murphy is definitely someone out of Manassas, Virginia, that is a, a strong prospect in class of 2022. But I think, Blake, when you talk about some big battles, there, you're talking about like Kamari Wilson, okay? Right. Kamari Wilson, he was virtually a Georgia lock as of a month ago. LSU has made this thing a absolute just drag-out fight. I mean, LSU and Miami and Florida have really risen, but LSU in particular with the way they've recruited him, the NIL pitches, all that kind of stuff, the, the NILSU, that's a powerful image. What they were doing on Times Square the right. day that NIL came out, Kamari Wilson is right there in the, in, the, in the mix of things with LSU as well. You bring up an interesting point, Blaine, in reference to NIL and, and, and just how – Things started to shift, right, when camps started happening. You know, I remember what happened here locally when LSU started holding football camps. Do you think it's as simple as LSU, Georgia, Alabama, and all these teams started seeing kids in person, and then maybe they started trending? Maybe for Wilson, for an example, LSU started trending because they saw him and they wanted him more. Do you think because of, because of that, 
That's why you've seen some kids start to flip. You talk about Sean Murphy two weeks ago, maybe a lock to LSU. Now it could be Alabama. Do you think it's because maybe uh, these schools are seeing kids and putting the full court press after seeing them? I just think it's the simple fact that you had guys go so long. This class of 2022, in my opinion, is the most impacted class ever. No question. Uh, And and the most different recruiting class ever because of the COVID impact. Because people got to realize in the end of your sophomore year going into your junior year, that's like prime recruiting time. That is is where things are taken as serious. That's where the best evaluations take place. And these kids were robbed of that. They didn't have that. It was all through Zoom. So now here comes the month of June, and it's like a cattle run, just getting thousands of, <laughs> of prospects through. And I'm, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands. Georgia had over 2,500 prospects, I think, in the month of June come yep. through, and that's across four, five, six classes. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of stuff. But um, with a guy like Sean Murphy, you know, there's that an essential, you know, initial uh, official visit high, and then things right, come right, down right. a bit. So it's kind of the ebb and flow, you know. Yeah, and that's an interesting point and a good way to, to characterize it, right? Like, you know, you go somewhere, you get all fired up, and then a couple weeks go by, and you're just like, yeah, whatever. You know, like you go on a church trip. You know, yeah, yeah let's – Church camp is exactly what I was about camp. to say. Yeah, it's church camp, man. Like, yeah, and then all you sudden you come back and you got a homework and you're like, Man, what's this shit? You know, like I mean, it just it just is what it is. Uh, Blaine Gilmer is our guest. We'll let you guys know everywhere you can catch all of his stuff. Partner with us and a good friend of ours over at the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, Blaine, is there somebody? I know that Emory Jones is a guy that's an offensive lineman that everybody knows that and feels that he's going to be committing. By the way, I think he's one of the best interior linemen in this class. Everybody knows that it's going to be him, but is there somebody that you talked about, uh, Wilson, but is there somebody that you're looking that might be trending for LSU and what you see and what you hear that maybe is a little off the radar? Is there somebody that's uncommitted that you think LSU is going to be able to pull that maybe nobody's talking about? I don't know so much about nobody's talking about them because I'm not every day in the LSU circles, but I do know some guys that I think are just fait accompli to end up at at LSU are some Louisiana guys like Jamon Tapp, like Shaz right. Preston. Uh, LSU, in my opinion, does a better job of anybody than locking down the guys that need to stay in their state, uh, more so than the state of Georgia, more so than Texas, more so than Florida. Because LSU, if you are a if you're a football player, if you're if you're a guy <laughs> who can who can don the the gold and, and purple there, you're gonna end up in Baton Rouge. I mean that's that's the same. People are talking about Jaden Osbury, the 2023 class. They're like, oh, he dropped the top ten. I'm like, it does not matter. He goes to University Lab High School. Hell, right. he's gonna end up at LSU. <laughs> and his dad's his dad works in the AD office. I mean, like. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm like, why, why are we, why are we covering his top ten? It doesn't matter. <laughs> He's going to LSU, you know, because you know that's how that's how it all goes. I mean, Ed, Ed Orgeron has really brought that back. I think there was a lull in that maybe for just a couple of classes, but Ed, Ed Orgeron and and the pride that he has in in the state of Louisiana and kind of feels like you know a part of it there. Uh, I really think that you know he's running around campus with his shirt off doing all kinds of stuff, you know, waving to people. Who who wouldn't want to go play for a guy like Ed Orgeron there yeah, at LSU? You, 
and you know what's crazy about that? People get mad at him because after five and five, he runs around with his shirt out and his titty nipples are pointing everywhere. You know, people are getting mad about it, Blaine. But look, I think they're going to be fine. We do have some fan questions in here. Brandon Reese asks, hashtag ask Blaine, how do you feel about Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC? I know that it was a point that we were going to talk about. We'll, we'll, you know what? We'll table that one, Blaine. We'll come to that, back to that one at the end. Uh, Craig Schilling, who's a guy that lives in Georgia, big LSU fan, says, hashtag ask Blaine, Kirby seemed to be the perfect fit for UGA. Why hasn't he been able to get them to the playoffs again? And I think it's something interesting that you just mentioned. And I'm going to ask you if you think that this could be a part of it. Look, I am the president and CEO of the J Ward fan club. Now that he's moved to safety, a kid from Georgia, BJ Ojolari, another kid from Georgia. Look, Eric Gilbert, call it what it was. He's in Georgia now, but they were able to get him out of the state of Georgia. You talk about that. Is that maybe a reason why Kirby maybe losing some of those recruiting battles hasn't gone to the playoff? Or do you think it's more fundamental? Do you think it's more offensively and maybe some schematic stuff? Because, look, Blaine, they're having great recruiting classes. It's not like they're not. Do you think that that's a part of it? But what do you think the issue is there? Uh what was the name? Oh, Craig. Yeah. Craig, two words, Nick Saban. That, that's the reason. <laughs> if, if, it, if it were not for Nick Saban, then Georgia would probably have two national championships right now. Am, am I wrong? Am I, they would probably have two national. They would, they would have, they would have, if they could have gotten over the hump in 2017, yeah. they would be beat, beat Nick Saban. They don't choke and play cover two and, and overtime, uh, you know, at, uh, second and 26. If they don't do that. National champions. Tell me a team that was playing better than the Georgia Bulldogs the next year when they lose, when Jalen Hurts comes in and beats them off the bench. You know, so those two years in a row right there, and then they they go to the SEC championship game the next year and get waxed by, in my opinion, the greatest college single season college quarterback Preach. ever. Preach. Preach. That, that's the greatest. <laughs> that's the greatest college football season that's ever been put on record. Yeah. Uh, he he was he was just magic that year. I hope the I hope that Burrow comes back healthy and just does his thing for Cincinnati right. this year. But that's simply it. It's it's that Nick Saban, and then he had he, they ran into the buzzsaw of LSU in 2019. But you're talking about other than Alabama, and then maybe Clemson because it's hard to say Clemson because Clemson is in the terrible ACC that's just not even close to to the same level of competition Georgia Alabama LSU those are the best three programs year in and year out in the country if you just take into account what they're able to do over the last three or four years side note to that do you think he opens the offense up I mean he's got to I mean look I, I don't mean this in a wrong way but you got JT now's the time brother like I, I'm tired and look I'm not even a Georgia fan but just sometimes to me Blaine incompetence and, and and I'm not calling him less miles by any means but it has that feel we're gonna run the football we're gonna play good defense Blaine, you can't do that anymore but do you think this is the time that Kirby finally opens it up and just lets it rip the let me tell you something here for LSU fans you LSU fans should have known that the the plan in Kirby's mind to change this offense came when Jermaine Burton didn't go to LSU. When Jermaine Burton didn't go to LSU, that was Kirby throwing it down and saying, I want to change this offense. And here's what happened. COVID happened. If COVID-19 does not happen, if Georgia has a full spring practice under Todd Munkin and is able to really get a full regular offseason, that offense changes last year. But people have to remember, COVID Walk-on quarterback 
for the first six games of the season. God bless his well, heart. Excuse me. Walk on came in and saved their butt after uh, Dwan Mathis crapped it down his leg against Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, and there's that hilarious meme out there of Kirby with his headset, like looking at Dwan, like, can can you, t- you know, can you handle this moment right now? Can you and throw a forward clearly- pass, son? Can you throw a forward oh, yeah. pass? It was crazy, but. I, I agree with you. It this offense, in my opinion, this offense is going to be one of the top three, four offenses in the country this year because they have Eric Gilbert at, at wide receiver. They have he's going to play wide receiver, by the way. They have Jermaine Burton. So you got those on the stacks. Uh basically LeBron James at tight end in Darnell Washington. The guy's six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds and runs like Freak. a deer. And right. then the the stable of running backs. What Georgia has to do, and they've got the quarterback, like you mentioned, what Georgia has to do is they have to be able to put it together on the line of scrimmage just consistency-wise. But here's here's the thing. This offense is going to look better because they don't play Alabama, they don't play LSU, and they don't play Texas A&M. So, you know, if they get past that Clemson game, who's going to beat them? I, I'm not. I'm not going to pick a team, but I, I worry for Georgia sometimes. Like a South Carolina comes up and beats them, right? I mean, look, that was a that was a less miles thing. Like you're, you're trailing at halftime by three to Rudy Poo <laughs> University. Like you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I put into it. But we'll just have to wait and see. There, I want to get to one more recruiting question, and I really want to get in this too. Uh, too with you, the Texas Oklahoma scenario of coming into the SEC. Blaine, uh, I don't know how else to put this other than for a long time, we've talked about less a little bit here in the recruiting class. They're always top five, but I don't think that they were good recruiting classes, right? Like they never went and got mm-hmm. the good old linemen. They got some defensive linemen, but it was just kind of more sporadic. Ed has come in here and had a very diverse class, but the one thing that he's done really good is is go get guys in the transfer portal and really go get good quarterbacks. We've seen that. Oh, Do yeah. you think it's as simple – Blaine is just hitting on the quarterback. Like, you can go get the good pieces. You can go get the good wide receivers, O-linemen, D-linemen. But if you hit on that guy that's going to be under center, in college football, it seems that for so long it's been that simple. If you get that guy, you're going to win a lot of football games. Or is it a little bit more to that? I mean, I I get that it's more to that. But it just seems like those top guys at the quarterback position are just always bringing their teams to the playoff. Do you think that that is what has separated teams like Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State versus all the others because they have that guy? I mean, it's not just in the college ranks. I mean, look what happened. Tom Brady leaves New England, and magically New England, New England's terrible, and he, and Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl. Right. With, mean, a, with a torn a- ACL, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a quarterback-driven sport. And when Joe Burrow did what he did at LSU, then it was it was game, set, and match. There was no one that was going to beat that team. It's because once you have a quarterback that's playing with that much confidence and that much swag, and then they go out and they're doing their thing, it makes everybody else's. It's like a it's like a pitcher in baseball that's that that's dealing and able to. Uh, you know, just have pinpoint command of his pitches. Everybody's playing with that confidence. And, right. you know, the defensive level raises around him. Same thing at the quarterback position. But I agree with you. That is that is part of it. But I also think uh, part of it is simply, and people aren't going to like this answer, people, it's simply that you have to have some things go your way. Oh, in, no, in I the, agree with the, you. In the yeah. SEC. I mean, it's it's a game where – there has to be some things that bounce your way in, in, in these games because you, you talk about the margins between 
a, a, a Georgia, LSU, and Alabama, it's razor thin. They all have four and five stars just, you know, creatures just walking the field out there. It's unbelievable um, the talent level that these guys have. But you have to have things go your way. You have to have the quarterback. And I think what you mentioned earlier, I heard you uh, talking before I came on, you have to have some schematic advantages, just slight schematic advantages with guys like, uh, you know, Mangus that's coming back on board right. with uh, Joe Brady that year. That you, I mean, there's just certain little things that you can take advantage of and put your athletes that are the same level of athlete that the other team has in just a slight better percentage chance to to have success, and that makes all the difference in the world. Well, like Devontae Smith in the national title game, they found a schematic way that they were they could get him lined up with a linebacker. I mean, it, it's it's like you talk about that the smaller things, and then it blows up. I'm, I really want to get to this, though. But I, I do have one. Well, one one go, thing on that before you before you. One thing I was going to say. Uh, you, did you know that Devontae Smith caught forty seven of his one hundred and twenty passes last year behind the line of scrimmage? I did. Yeah, because because only because blame my mom taught at Amy Westside and one of our students, Devonta Smith. So. We were kind, of, and we're right here in Hammond. A meets literally a stone's throw away. So yeah. yeah, we you know, but with that's that's nuts, man. Like how how crazy Clyde Edwards-Helaire, fifty eight catches. What was it? I think thirty seven of the fifty eight catches behind the line of scrimmage, and, and then all the yard. I mean, that kind of stuff. Putting your playmakers in space, right? That's what you talk about. Get the mismatch advantages, and I think that you would succeed. But it's going to be interesting. And Chris Barnhill says, and one of my favorite players in LSU too, Max Johnson's a Georgia kid too. I so is Jake Johnson. Right. Well, that's another that's another one, dude. He, by the way, he's a freak, dude. I mean, oh, yeah. we, we watched we watched him at the LSU uh, camp, dude. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, thank you. Hey, Georgia, thank you. Well, <laughs> I don't I, know I, how. It's funny. I had I had text I had uh, text a Georgia source early on in his recruitment and be like, hey, how do you feel about about Jake Johnson? What's going on? They they were like, oh, we'd love to have him. But LSU, <laughs> none, none deal. This was like months before he committed, so uh, they, they knew it was coming. All right, I want to get to this one question, then we'll get there. We're going to get there, but this is the last one because it's a fan question. Uh, my good friend Roderick says, hashtag Ask Blaine, do you believe LSU will have a top five offense this season? I'm going to go – I'll go first on this one, give a little take on it. Look, I do think Blaine this week showed us that no one's really respecting LSU and SEC media days. They returned their entire offensive line. people have worried about that, but I don't worry about it because, look, these guys have experience. Austin Deculus is a guy that's going to break the LSU record this year for the most consecutive starts. That's that's unbelievable and unheard of in today's day and age when you have so many guys that leave for the NFL. I think they got good wide receivers. They do – look, Miles Brennan, as much as I've got on his ass – he he has shown that he can light you up at times. Max Johnson's another one. Now that they're bringing in Jake Peets, who was instrumental in the RPO game at Alabama, then goes with Joe Brady, and then comes here with DJ Mangus, there are a lot of feels of that 2019. But what do you think? Do you think that they can get in that top five uh, of top offenses? Don't the only reason I would I would hedge my bet against it in terms of is he talking about top five SEC or is he talking about top five in the country? Because if maybe he's talking the country. Top five in- He's talking top five in the country, but like, that's just hard for any SEC team, in my opinion, because the competition elsewhere it's so is tough. Clemson. Like Clemson's guaranteed to be in it because they're just going <laughs> to buzz buzz saw through everybody over there. Right, Ohio right. State, same thing in the Big Ten. I don't think anybody's going to 
going to challenge him very well. C.J. Stroud's going to have a monster, monster year, year over there. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm sure there's going to be some teams out west where no defense is played at all, where it's just skews the numbers. But I agree with you. LSU is going to be, I would say, definitely a top ten offense in the country. I, I think. I think Georgia and LSU both find their way up in there, honestly, because I oh, think wow. both of these both of these teams are going to really take steps forward. My question to you is: Have you thrown down your gauntlet yet and said, "Is it going to be Miles Brennan or Max Johnson?" Oh. Or, Oh, no doubt. My, uh, Max Johnson all day. I mean, like, not even, Blaine, not even the gauntlet. I have <laughs> – I put the gauntlet down with Thor's hammer on that son of a bitch so it won't come off, right? Like, I, I, dude, with the RPO game, period, mm-hmm. three letters, RPO. That is why it will be Max Johnson and should be Max Johnson. Now, do they start Miles Brennan at UCLA because they don't want him to transfer? I don't know all that. But at the end of the day, what I saw that kid do against Florida, look, say what you want about Florida's defense last year, and I get that, but LSU had 46 scholarship players that were on that team, on that field last year. Oh, well, Blake Kyle Pitts didn't play. Well, they had 46 scholarship players, Blaine, and they went out there and won. I get the Marco Wilson shoe throw, but one play in a 60-minute game, to me, this is my take, never makes a game. Why didn't you stop the 300 yards passing before? I just think Max Johnson is light years ahead. He's not just maybe from not from an arm strength perspective, but from running with his feet. I just think he's so good at being mobile. Uh, but that's me. We got to get to this, Blaine. We 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 just absolutely have yeah. to. Texas and Oklahoma, right? Um, I'm going to give you the floor on this one. I'm going to let you go, and then we're going to talk about it, and we're going to get in some, into some depth here. Do you like it? Do you love it? Do you hate it? What says you? I like it. In terms of, I always like more competition. I think whether it's free market stuff in 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 business, or I think I think you know football, whatever. I think the more competition, the better. However, I think that to that end, I like it as long as the LS, as the SEC would be willing to maybe cut the wheat from the chaff with some other mm. schools and get rid of a Vandy or Missouri, or somewhere like that, encourage them to maybe go join the AAC or the ACC, something along those lines, because I think you got iconic brands there in Texas and Oklahoma that could make for some huge matchups, get rid of the divisions, just play best on best, and let's go at it. I mean, think how great college football could be if those lines are those lines are thrown away. You, get, you don't have to worry about – who cares if Texas A&M and South Carolina play every year? That's not a that's not a natural rivalry. All that kind of stuff. Let's let's just play everybody. Get this rotating schedule. Nine conference games, maybe. I'm all good with that. But let's just. Uh, I, I would say I'm good with it if they're willing to consider maybe pushing some other teams out. Honestly, because I think 16 teams is just crazy. From a baseball perspective, I want them to push Fandy out. You know, like, there's no oh, yeah. doubt. You know, no doubt about that. You know, I don't know, Blaine, if they would push those oh, teams. You know, but here's my thing. I don't know if you saw this today, but the SEC Network talked about the four different pods. You know, four yeah. different. Dude, I hate that. Okay, because yeah, like even if it's four or three, let's say hypothetically you have three teams from those three pods that end up with the same record. Let's just say, for example. Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. For argument's sake, I'm not saying it will, but LSU, uh, Alabama, and Georgia are in those three pods all have the same record. What do you do then? 
So are you going to allow a committee for an SEC title game? Like, how are you going to go about naming an SEC, who should be in the SEC title game? Because we're not talking about East and West at that point. There is no central division. I don't think, Blaine, that they will do that. I think that they yeah. split it down the middle. I don't know what Alabama will do if they put them in the East, the quote-unquote East. I, I just don't know what they will do. But I do think that they would like playing Vandy every year, Tennessee. They do already play Tennessee every year, Kentucky every year, because of the reasons they don't have to play LSU every year. They don't have to play uh, 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 Texas A&M every year. I think that they would like that. My whole thing with all of this is, is that it worries me to the extent of how does it affect college football, right? Like, you're not going to have an Oklahoma that's going to come out of the Big 12 and get beat down in the playoff game. Like, I, I don't know how it's going to affect, but today they don't go to the ADs and presidents meeting. Texas and Oklahoma yeah. are the only two that's out, and it, it worries me what's going to happen there. But here's what I love, Blaine. In 2019, LSU went to Austin to play Texas, and they put us in the nosebleed. Not yeah. only did they put us in the nosebleed, they blew a cannon through a number nine jersey. If you don't know in Louisiana, that man walks on water. And also, yeah. they they did not have the air condition on pregame, and that's why LSU players were going out there and throwing water on them because it was 104 degrees inside the locker room. I want Texas in the SEC for five, six, seven years so we can beat the shit out of them. Georgia, Bama, LSU, A&M, I just want it to happen. Um, I want to shut them up. However, and I'm going to turn this question over to you, when we talk about a branding point, though, it is Oklahoma, regardless of how much we may trash them, myself included, it is Oklahoma, it is Texas. Does this stamp – I'm want to. i not going to say forever, but does this stamp the SEC being the best conference maybe in all sports moving forward? Just the fact that Texas and Oklahoma are considering it lets you know that they are, they are conceding that the SEC is the best conference in all of sports regardless. Right. Because right. I'm just telling you that that's why they want to be a part of it. One – the, the almighty dollar is driving this. There's so much money, more money out there to be made if Texas and Oklahoma are part of the SEC. The revenue split will be unbelievable, even more so than it is right now. TV deals, all that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something that's going to happen, in my opinion. If you get these major power conferences, which if, okay, let's say Texas and Oklahoma leave the Big 12. Well, the Big 12 is going to disintegrate and they're going to splinter off into – it's going to become these four or five power conferences of 16 you know, teams, things like that. And conference championships are going to be gone. Yeah. There, there will be no more conference championships because they're already going to expand the playoff to 12 teams. And then after that, it will probably go to 16. So there's only so many weeks in the year, and they're not going to have time for that SEC championship game or whatever conference they want to call it, call it ultimately, you know, however they do all that kind of stuff but i just think the conference championships are going to be gone playoffs are going to be expanded but i think ultimately what you're going to get to see is a more free-flowing game it is already like georgia is scheduling already has texas and oklahoma scheduled within the next 10 years regardless so it'll it'll change a lot of those things in terms of scheduling but i think you're just going to see a trend towards more of a almost an nfl style of play 
You know, that's interesting you bring it up with the NFL style of play, too, because in, and I, I agree with you. Like, Georgia's going to play Clemson. LSU played Texas. Those are iconic brands, Blaine, that meet, and they clash together. Hey, what if there's a kid in recruiting that's going to pick between Clemson or Georgia, and that game – I know games don't sway kids. I know people say that all the time. I think that that's bullshit. But what if Georgia goes into Clemson, or what if they meet uh, – not literally Clemson, but what if they beat the dog shit out of them, right? Like, that That to me is a part something I want to see. I don't want to wait uh, – what it'd be, what, four, five, four, four and a half months to watch that game. I want to see LSU go to UCLA. I want to save my money and, 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 and during the year and want to go to L.A. I, I agree with you there. I want to be able to do that, and I don't know if they, they will be able to do that. A, a couple more on this, Blaine. I'll get you out of here. You've been fantastic. Do you do you how how would the because because you're recruiting? How would the landscape and recruiting change? I know that it changed for A and I mean, look at what they were doing before they got into the SEC to what they're doing now, and I know that it's Jimbo. But Kevin Sumlin had some good recruiting classes in there too. Got guys like Johnny Manziel, Speedy Noel in those classes. How much does this affect recruiting? Can LSU now go back into Texas because you have two Texas schools? What do you think happens there? Uh, and maybe just a landscape. Do you think it affects it that much? I don't. I don't think recruiting is where you're going to see this. This big be a big deal when it comes to these power conferences being made and stuff like that. I think recruiting is already a cutthroat sport as it is. You know, in terms of it's its own sport, in my opinion. There's different different things that go on, and and everybody knows all the all the stories. But what I'm telling you, this is going to make a difference. Is is that transfer portal when it comes to the, you know. One year rule being in in play, everybody can immediately, you know, you can do a one time transfer immediately eligible. So what's going to happen is people are going to see, okay, University of Georgia, they're losing a quarterback. They all they have a bunch of freshmen maybe the next year. I'll go. I'll just go over to Georgia and play quarterback. Or LSU needs a needs a number one ride receiver. I've been really productive during my career over here at Kansas State or something like that. <laughs> I'll just go. I'll just go be LSU's number one. You know what I'm saying? Like if there's an All American somewhere at a maybe a lesser program that has one more year of eligibility and wants to go win an, a Natty, they're going to go to an Alabama or a or a LSU or a Georgia and be that integral piece. I'm but- telling. I, I I didn't really think of, I didn't really think about the transfer portal like in reference to this and I I hadn't really thought about it too much. Um, you know what? Let's end here because I've got a question for you. People call me nuts, Blaine, about the portal. Right? Here's my reasoning. There's over 130 thousand kids that play D1 football, but there's only 1100 kids in the portal. Is 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 a transfer portal a big de- a bigger deal than we're making it right? So when I look at eleven hundred divided by one hundred thirty five thousand kids, and I'm like, we're not even at one percent. Am I crazy to think that it's not a bigger deal than what we're making it, or is it a bigger deal in your mind? And and, and it's something that we should continue to monitor moving forward. Well, the, the only reason I think it's a big deal is because, yes, it's only 1%, but it's how does that 1% fit, fit. on these rosters? Right. Because it, when somebody leaves, it's very, very rare that a team's going to take them back. And then once that team you know, says, okay, you're off on your own, what if that, that young man or that uh, young woman, depending on what sport it is, they can't get to the spot that they want to get? They've gotten some bad advice in their career is ruined that's what you're going to see with a lot of these young men and women as the as the transfer portal across all sports 
goes ahead. But football specifically, I think, is going to be somewhere where the smart teams, the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Georgia are going to use it strategically. And then it's also going to be a situation where, like, Auburn this year, Tennessee, teams that need a life – you know, saver thrown to them are going to try to say, okay, just give me every every person I can find in the portal, and we'll we'll take them on. Whether they whether they've got you know drug hey, charges, hey, whether, whatever. Hey, you working get, at the Waffle House? You're in the portal. Okay, come on. I mean, yeah, right. So you know, it it doesn't matter. They're gonna. There's some teams that are gonna say take all comers, and there's some teams that are gonna be the contenders year in and year out who are gonna use it very strategically. And I think LSU will be one of those programs. Dude, you've been fantastic. I'm glad you came on. I'm sorry we weren't able to get you on the first time. It was chaotic. Oh, Shit no was just going crazy. You know, dude, it literally has rained. It literally rained then like it is now. And you can ask the people in Louisiana. It rained like 72 days straight. Like, I felt like I was, my name should have been Noah, right? Like, I mean, hey, there it, you it, go. It, it was nuts. Dude, we got to bring you back on. You were fantastic. Tell everybody where they can catch all of your great stuff. Uh, yeah, my my personal Twitter handle, at bgilmer 18 uh, on Twitter, and then you can follow my show. It's called Recruiting Every Second. I do all of the major updates and things like that on SEC football recruiting. I'm also a writer for UGASports.com, the Rivals Georgia website, and I work uh, closely with people over there at Tiger Details and stuff like that, so share a lot of stuff back and forth. There's often a lot of overlap, so you can follow my show on Twitter and Instagram using at recruiting underscore SEC, and I'd love to have you listen. Absolutely, man. You've been fantastic. Thank you again. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Blake. I appreciate it. No problem, brother. That is Blaine Gilmer. Guys, that was good. That was some good stuff. That was some really good stuff. Uh, I'm going to answer this one. Uh, I know I didn't get to the Harold Perkins. Somebody asked about Harold Perkins um, earlier. I do think Harold Perkins is LSU. Like, I I fully believe – they're pushing hard for Harold Perkins. Sean Murphy, guys, I'm just going to tell you, I, I feel 50-50 on him. Um, I don't – personally, I don't have any confidence that Sean Murphy is going to or not – is going to or not going to be on this on this team next season. Like, I, I just – I don't know, man. Uh, something in my gut says that he might be trending elsewhere. Uh, Val Browning says, four pods would be a money-making machine. Val, expand on that. Tell me why. Um – I'm interested on that take, but and he also asked, hashtag asked Blake, what about the rumor uh, that Texas A&M leaked this? So let me tell you something that I heard last night after the show. I had a phone call. I was sitting on the phone for, God, I don't know. That's why it took so long to get some of the um, the YouTube clips or the YouTube clip out of Sean uh, of uh, of uh, Merriman. After the show, I get a phone call, and it was a guy that you know that. Knows his stuff about A&M, right? And he tells – he, and it was interesting because the man never really calls me. The only time he really calls me is when he kind of wants to vent about something, but it's never really huge. But he's always pretty damn spot on. Like he – you know, he could tell me tomorrow that the moon would be turning to blue cheese. And that damn moon tomorrow will turn to blue cheese. This guy never misses, especially when it comes to A&M. So he calls me last night, and he says, Hey, Blake. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. He tells me that A&M is so worked up, and their staff, their boosters, their coaches is so worked up 
about possibly Texas coming into the SEC that it get, they gave one of the beat writers that covers a team. It wasn't Lucci, which I'm, I'm sure he might be upset with. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Um, but they leaked it through the Houston Chronicle so they could get this moving. The SEC, from what I understand, didn't necessarily want – this to be out until more of a deal was finalized. They didn't want all this being leaked and the Big 12 trying to come in, boosters that maybe don't want them to go into the SEC to try to or to try to keep them into the Big 12. Oklahoma's, Texas. I mean, I'm sure that they have fans that do not want to come into the SEC. So he winds up telling me that do you did I believe it was coincidental that Jimbo um on the day that A&M and Jimbo and Ross Bjork, who a lot of ADs, and I'd have to confirm this because I should have asked him, I'm pretty sure Ross Bjork, the AD at A&M, went to SEC Media Days. Scott Woodward, I don't believe, was at SEC. No, I know he wasn't at SEC Media Days, at least not the day that Ed Orgeron was there. Why was he there along with Jimbo Fisher? And why did and if, if he didn't know, and it's, it's interesting because when we see something bad happen, Right, it usually takes an AD and an athletic department maybe three, four, five hours on something like this to construct a statement so they know that it's good. Why did they have a statement like that? Why was Jimbo so good in all of his answers when he was asked about Texas coming to uh, to the SEC? It would not surprise me because Texas A&M wanting to be the only school in Texas to be a part of the SEC that they wouldn't want their arch nemesis and arch rival to be a part of the same conference now that they're in because they're seeing so many benefits. I think personally that recruiting is one of the bigger benefits that would that helps A&M in recruiting in Texas because they put that SEC on their chest and they walk along with A&M and they walk in there and say, "Hey, we're A&M and we're in the SEC. You're going to play you're going to go to Texas, who plays in the Big 12, who gets beat down by Oklahoma every year. Oh, by the way, they don't win national titles and we got the guys that can get you there." By the way, we went nine and one last year that's what A&M is thinking whether it be right wrong or indifferent that's what they're thinking and um I just think it does make sense I think the things that he's hearing and the things that he tells me now this isn't so you know A&M is not a sort a place where I have a many of sauces but it is a place where I have a guy who who knows his shit who's been there and done that when it comes to breaking and doing news so yeah I believe him I absolutely believe him. And look, he he wasn't even mad and he told me some something in reference to of course they gave it to your guy at the Houston Chronicle and you know, of course he was there to take comments on him breaking the story. So I do think it's interesting that A&M um was so prepared, right? Like how are they so prepared for all of this? So look, if you don't if you don't want them to come to your – like, why wouldn't you want to come – you know what the best thing about recruiting is? If you go out there and beat that ass, you're, the kids are going to come. The kids are going to come. I don't think Texas – I don't think Texas is ready for – I think Oklahoma can be ready. Look, Oklahoma, whether we like it or not, they're going to win some games in the SEC. I don't think that they beat the big dogs, but I think that they win a lot of games in the SEC. Your playoff chances, see you later. You're not getting to the playoffs if you're Oklahoma, but they're so desperate to get out of the Big 12 that they'll do anything. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if Texas and, and Oklahoma wind up in the Pac-12. 
I wouldn't mark this down right now. And when I go ballistic and I say, uh-oh, I told you so, today was the day. Why the SEC? Do you really think Texas and Oklahoma constructed of wanting to go to the SEC where they know they won't win that bitch and they, want to go, they wouldn't go out to the West and the Pac-12 where they probably know we will win it? I don't know, man. I don't know. Something interesting to um uh to do. Chris Barnhill says he did. Paul Feinbaum confirmed uh Ross was there. So there you go. So Ross Bjork was um at SEC. So why is an eight why is he the only A D at SEC Media Days? If a if Texas A and M did not leak that Texas and Oklahoma was coming to the SEC, why was he the only A D there? Because I never, I didn't see any other ads uh, from any other SEC school at SEC media days other than Ross Bjork, and I, you know, there you go. Uh, Shane on Facebook Live says, "Incredible show tonight, Blake. You're the best in the biz, brother. Thank you, man." Um, Val says, "There's no no money if they go to the Pac-12. I understand that, but you best believe I." The Pac-12 for a long time was run by Larry Scott, the commissioner, who was the worst commissioners of commissioners in the history of life. I think the big tw- the Pac-12 can find money. Let's not act like the West Coast doesn't have money. Let's not act like USC, Oregon, and all these other schools. Stanford, who has the biggest endowment in the West of billions and billions of dollars, don't have money. Guys, they do. If the Pac-12 wants to be relevant again, I think that they would make an offer for Texas and Oklahoma not to go to the SEC and come to the Pac-12 and call it the Pac-14. And you know what's interesting about that? There's 14 teams in the SEC. There'd be 14 teams in um, uh, 14 teams in the uh, Pac-12. I just think it makes sense. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you, something's something a little bit to me i'm gonna say 25 percent of me is like feel something off here i know i'm not nuts Uh, a couple more we're gonna get on out of here brandon reese says maybe texas and oklahoma got bored playing lesser talent like teams like kansas and iowa state well iowa state's gonna be a top is a top 10 team i would i wouldn't don't play with iowa state this year um you say kansas but what's vanderbilt like, people keep saying, well, you don't play teams like that in the SEC. You do when you play Vanderbilt. You Guys, Arkansas, for the, what, last five seasons? Yeah, they won some games last year. Sounds good. Arkansas hasn't been good lately. I mean, they haven't been good lately. So, I mean, mm. Kurt Paul says, no one watches the Pac-12 after dark, LOL, except me on night shift. That's true. But, you know, but here's the thing, though, guys. Here's the thing. You're getting Texas, you're getting Oklahoma to go to the Pac-12. Team people will. And and look, they'll they'll have the Pac-12 and Fox will have to put those times up. They'll have to. They'll Fox will then be forced to make a um I don't want to say like an SEC network and what ESPN and Disney's doing with the SEC, but I think that they would be forced to do something like that. I mean, you don't have a choice because you can't have the Big Ten, what you're doing with them, and you can't have the uh, the Pac-12 and doing what you're doing with them if you don't have some kind of SEC Pac-12 network. And look, the, Disney's doing it with the ACC. They're trying to build that up, and they're hoping that there's some schools that can go in there and win it all. Outside of um, 
outside of Clemson. Uh, I saw Roderick say this. Uh, there's been rumblings that the Big 12 wanted ULL. I think that would be good for the school like that in recruiting. I agree. Todd Davis says, I said that from the get-go. I don't think that they end up in the SEC. I second The second I heard that, I thought the Pac-12 bound. So it, feels, it feels like that to me, too. Like, it feels like that to me, too. Uh, Val Brown says, Sooners go to the Big Ten before the Pac-12. Maybe they do, but they're not going without Texas. I'll tell you that right now. They will not go without Texas. It, the one thing that Texas and Oklahoma did, uh, they aligned themselves. They, teams don't align themselves often, but they aligned themselves. All right, guys, we will see you Saturday. Saturday, we will see you. Y'all have a good night. Peace out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.